big gift to people indeed. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the boxing edition as we load up the syringe less than 48 hours removed from a thrilling Canelo Alvarez-Gennady Golovkin rematch in Las Vegas and shake off that jet lag to inject you with another big drama dose of that performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, in fact, the voice that you hear I am fired the heck up to remind you that this podcast will never back down. In fact, just like Big John Fury, we promise we will never jack back on an old school track. We'll never fuck. I won't jack. I'll be there till I can't what we will do is provide you with an absolutely loaded show fresh off of Canelo Triple G2, which holy crap was that a instant modern classic your boys big bc and big red have you covered with full analysis we will also welcome gennady golovkin trainer abel sanchez back to the show who the hell is that <laughs> to talk about what went wrong in that rematch and the respect that abel gave after the fight to canelo which was a full 180 uh, from the, the lead into the fight for standing right in front of triple g and making saturday's rematch such a classic Hey, we'll provide you with full reaction to Floyd Mayweather's massive news that a Manny Pacquiao rematch is imminent and could be announced this week, we hear. Whoa, whoa, hey, hey, Pacquiao. You're facing the real one. This is what I asked this for. Is this is what you're going to get. You're going to get this. That's what I want, the real deal. The raw dog. This is the real one. That's, that is the real one, Manny. And if that wasn't enough, friend of the program, Todd Grisham, will stop by to make a big announcement regarding his future and talk about everything from life with A.C. Slater to the legend that is Nico Macius and the famous double rat tails. Oh, that's such a classic drop. But before I bring in Big Red, please clear your schedules for Tuesday of this week as Rafe and I will be dropping a bonus in this corner boxing episode complete with sound collected over the weekend in Sin City at Canelo Triple G2. Let me just say, you are not going to want to miss this fun Chats headlined by 20 amazing minutes with the Bob father himself, top rank founder Bob Arum. And hot damn do we get into this. We had an orgy for two days. Never screwed so many women in my life. Oh my god, you, you're not going to want to miss that. All right, let me bring him in. He's my, uh, he's my better half. He's got a red beard, and we love this guy. Internationally renowned for many different things, from newsletters to Filipino soap operas. Yes, check YouTube. You'll see that. And the author of For Love and Basketball, coming soon to bookstores very soon. I may have butchered that title again. But he does protect cruiserweights, and his name is Rafe Bartholomew. Cruising was made for fun. Respect was made for fun. This weekend is a big gift to people. Wow, Big Red, we're back, bro. How you feeling? How you feeling right now? You know, I'm I'm up and down. It's just a roller coaster of emotions. You know, you know those that these these Canelo Triple G fights. They they get they reach right deep inside me and and make me. Make me ask some hard questions about who I am and what I know and, and what I believe in. In good ways and bad ways. I'm growing from it. You know, sometimes I'm, sometimes it's, oh my God, what an amazing fight. These guys are great. They are great, great fighters doing, surprising us in the ring, both of them, all that good stuff. And then other times it's like, damn, man, damn, 
I have, I have been on the triple G hype train for so long. I, I, I might've been the captain of that caboose for a minute and, uh, and, it ain't, it ain't gonna, it's not gonna end the way we always dreamed it was, you know? It, 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 that doesn't make him any less great, but I, he's not gonna get, I don't think he's gonna get that great win. Well, I know we're gonna talk more about it, but that, that, so I'm, I'm, I'm going through it right now, man. I'm going through it. Wow, wow. You got, you went right deep into the feels, right? And deep into the emotions, the, the triple G withdrawal, the. Oh my God! Unbelievable! We had a lot of oh my God moments, Rafe. In, in those, between those ropes over those 12 rounds, a lot we're going to get into on everything. Triple G Canelo. We had a lot of oh my god moments around Vegas this past weekend, right? Two weekends in a row we got to bro out for the better of boxing. Uh, we mentioned we got that great bonus show coming this week. We talked to everybody from, uh, in this Mannix to, uh, you know, Raskin Mulf to Abner Mares. I mean, we got a lot of good stuff Whoa. coming, but any Brian, 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 come on. You, you don't understand. I mean, the Rougarou. Regis program. We got we got Rougarou coming over the next. He week. was fantastic. I love that guy. Uh, you got, when you listen, you'll understand. But boy, gives a great interview. Good storyteller. Just like and and actually, I don't. He probably does not give a damn about talking to any of us in the media. But he makes you. He connects, man. I, I really, really, really was impressed and liked him. All right, all right. I like that a lot too, Rafe. We uh, we also prowled the night. Couple pops in us, got a little loose, got a little wet, and we prowled the night, not looking for ladies, not looking to empty our wallets, but looking to create legendary nights with our campions. And we, we, we had a few, uh, connections made, but I'm gonna report to the people that you didn't really care about that. It, it, you, you weren't, you weren't feeling it like I was feeling it, Rafe. We didn't see Eric Morales again, but, you were there for the Ponce de Leon picture in the casino I, with me. You brother, fisted I'm with the, me. You, there would be no Ponce de Leon, Daniel Ponce de Leon picture if I had not spotted him and say, "Hey, you want you're looking for campeones? You know, you, you, you there you go. There's Daniel Ponce de Leon. Go go ask him about Adrian Broner." I told him though he did have, did have big huevos. He liked that. I am more man. I have bigger huevos. He really liked that. But I just want to report to the people that before Triple G Canelo two started in that. 90 minute gap before the main event. Thank you, HBO pay per view. Uh, one of my campions, Joel Casamayor was seated about two rows behind Rafe in this amazing red sports coat. Eric Raskin, our friend, shouted it out and Rafe denied going over to meet my campion. Denied it. I had to call in Raskin from the bullpen to take the picture. I said, Hey, Joel, for a Cuban, you've got Big huevos. He loved it. We talked about the Corrales trilogy. Great times. Rafe said, no, 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 no. Hey, hey, hey. No, no, no. Brian, what what can I say? I like to conduct myself with, uh, I believe they, I, I believe Mr. Gray, Mr. The Great Jim Gray calls it a little bit of class and dignity, especially on fight nights. I mean, hey, hey, this is not Joel Casamayor's night. It's still Danny's night. Wow. All right. Danny's wow. not in the house. It's Danny's night. Believe me. Um, no, you, you know what it is? I, I, I got that. I got that. Whatever, a little bit of that New York in me where I'm, where, where we're kind of re, we're kind of raised in the city not to give a damn about any celebrity, any, even people we, we love and look up to, you know, just, just let them be, just be like, all right, I see you there. I can maybe a head nod or something, but, but not, not go all effusive like that. There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, it's really cool when you do it. That's what you, you got that genuine passion for it. You love, you love to just run up to any Spanish speaking, person in honestly the entire western hemisphere whether or not they 
engage in boxing and and just say Campeon, huevos! and they look at you like you're crazy it's it's, it's pretty I it's, mean, it's it's it, it, it works don't label me effusive but we did and you, the people here in the bonus episode run up on yuri gamboa and find out that they're slow building an extra long marination to finally giving us gamboa wanma on pay-per-view tell me that didn't light up your field spot come on bro Look, they were talking about letting that marinate again. I am concerned that you cannot take that risk with Gamboa and Wanma. It has to happen. Oh, man. All right. We're eight minutes into the show. People are like, bro, you're going to get to the biggest fight ever? Triple G, Canola 2. It's time to get to it. Rafe, we were there in Las Vegas. A majority decision win for Canelo Alvarez. We're going to talk scorecards and all that. I just want to say, Rafe. So let me just say this. We're spoiled as boxing media. We typically get to watch these fights from the second row, the third row, the fourth row, like right in the press section. This weekend, Oscar De La Hoya decided to do something that's only been done in the States for Mayweather McGregor, what I can remember, is put the media up in the crowd rather than ringside. So I know people don't want to hear media members complain about that because we get to sit for free ringside at all these that were backed up about, you know, 25, 30 rows. I just want to say... Maybe it affects the way we score a fight and see it. That's all. That's the only reason why I bring that up. I know in England they put all the media up in the upper deck anyway, so stop crying, Campbell. I'm just saying, if, I want to, I can't wait to watch this replay of this fight too to see if my scoring changed. But no matter where I sat in the arena this night, Rafe, this was a modern classic. This was a pay-per-view fight that not only delivered on the action promised, it improved from the first fight last September, which was a fight of the year contender. I think this was almost to the level, and tell me if I'm just high on it, this may have been the best fight experience i've had mma boxing you know you know in an arena i mean these guys fought like tough tough gang members bob Aram. i mean rafe this was everything you would want from a pay-per-view title match both guys emptied the jar what i mean we can say maybe strategy wise one didn't do this one did this but both guys left it in the damn ring where you moved the way i was for 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 the sport at how great of a night this was of course, it was such a great fight. And both, I, I, you really, really got to see new wrinkles to the greatness of both fighters. You're both fighting in ways you all, we, we wouldn't even expect them to be successful and fighting on even terms. It was just a, a, a great presentation of the sport and, and of how guys who have very different styles and strengths, uh, can fight really so evenly and and so so closely and and both be successful both hurt figure out ways to to get the better of the other guy at certain points the momentum swings it was about as compelling as the sport can get it has a little bit of that purist angle i guess because it was not an all-out war these these are two the both of them i think Golovkin and Canelo are too responsible uh, as yeah, as boxers to to go into full all out war mode or at least we we haven't seen them do it in the 24 rounds they've spent in the ring together so far but as lo- that that is the only thing that that this could be missing is that sort of like guys getting you know getting getting up from body shots that they have no business getting up from like Brian Campbell loves but you know what we but we we know that Triple G had no business not going down from some body shots in that fight. And Canelo has no business surviving some of those 10th rounds. Like, I, the whole, it was just amazing, man. It was, it was a great fight. I mean, to see Canelo, the smaller fighter, do what Triple G's team made fun of him for six months and said he wouldn't do, right? Fight the Mexican style. Fight like a man. Rafe, Stop! 
stop that crap. Well, let's get Mexican style out of this. It, it, it's, it's just branding. It doesn't make, it never made any sense. It was an incoherent idea at the first place. Wow. It, the only, it, look, it, it's great marketing. It worked. And, and it helped sell Golovkin. It was, it was really good, but I don't, what, what, the way that Canelo, that Canelo fought, he, 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 it's not like he came in there trying to fight like a, a caveman either. He just, he just didn't give no, ground. I guess what I'm saying, I want to give him the respect. He actually backed Golovkin up in the middle rounds and it looked like Golovkin was actually tired and exhausted and couldn't handle the speed. He can't handle the speed, son. He couldn't handle the, the activity. So Canelo learned a lot from the first fight and implemented it. But in that second half, Rafe, and I'm trying to give Canelo his respect. When you are a good-looking guy, when you're an Oscar de la Hoya mold, when you are the leading pay-per-view seller in the sport, you acquire the labels a lot of a diva, a pretty boy, you know, not a real fighter. And I know this has been a, a prevailing theme in Canelo's career for as great as he is as a crafty counterpuncher. And yes, he can knock guys out in, at the right ability level. He's never been Chavez Sr. And there's a certain portion of the population, especially the Mexican fans, that refuse to anoint and accept him because of that he's their pretty boy he represents the country but really if he doesn't outside of the fights where he's had an inherent advantage he's never just dug in and gone for it even against Cotto he outboxed Cotto fun fight but he never dug in and went for the finish Rafe in the second half he never backed down and he that 10th round Rafe it's got to be round of the year it's got to be I mean Canelo was rocked twice, but in between those two times he got rocked, I thought he hurt Triple G with a big right hand. The intensity, the drama, Canelo, whether you like the Mexican style, whether you like the prototypical Mexican warrior, whether that's all crap or not, Rafe, the 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 huevos, the machismo, all that. I mean, Canelo, I respect you, brother, whether I thought you won or not. You went out there and you fought to win. Rafe, it's the anti-Mayweather era. And I know Mayweather was so great, he wasn't often in these spots because he was so great. But these were two guys trying to haggler Hearns it if it needed to be in the, down the stretch of that second half of that fight. Yeah, look, and Canelo, the... It comes, I think it comes from being that golden boy, from almost never from being this golden goose, from being this guy who is anointed at such a young age and protected in some ways that we've seen how in some cases that has been bad for fighters. And for Canelo has some, has somehow managed to turn it into a, one of his greatest strengths, at least on the mental side of the game. This confidence, this idea that I can go into any ring against any person any opponent and fight them the way I decide to fight that night, it will be a smart game plan. It's not going to be dumb, but he will, he just goes in there. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Has the balls to go out there and try. He changes up. He should, he gives you totally different approaches, different game plans in these two fights. Uh, and, and in both of them, he did something that going in, I think, a lot of smart boxing observers would have said or did say that Canelo has will not survive if he does this. In the first fight, it was Canelo will not survive if he goes to the ropes and lays there. He did exactly that, fought off the ropes and and fought on even terms. The second one, Canelo will not survive if uh you know if if he just if he takes the middle of the ring and and fights Triple G. He has to be a mover. Well, he didn't do that, and and again they fought on. Pretty much even terms. I uh, we get into scoring later. Uh, I, I you know of course I thought um, Triple G won the first fight pretty clearly in uh, this one. I scored a draw, but they, these guys, it, it's a yo. 
it's it's amazing. It's also amazing the way Triple G fought a style we haven't seen him fight because yeah, he made an adjustment, and he. Most people thought he won the fight. And we, he made, we said Triple G didn't have a plan B. He couldn't make an adjustment. Shout out to Triple G when he was fading in rounds four, five, and six. It looked like and frustrated for in the, you know, seven, eight, and nine. Just turn that fight around. The guy has balls. They both have balls. And to close on my Canelo point, Rafe, if he didn't fight like that down the stretch, he wouldn't have won this fight. If he tried to, to just counter and throw less punches. Canelo learned from the first fight. Triple G, I mean, the body shot, we want to get into that with Abel, but, but the lack of body shots was maybe the only thing he didn't learn from. But Triple G also made great adjustments, so let's get into how it actually played out. Is it disappointing if you're a longtime Triple G fan for him to go to Vegas twice, fight that great, have most of us say he probably won both fights and exit Vegas with nothing? Yes. This was not a corrupt fight. This was not a robbery. This was a damn great close fight. But yes, over the larger narrative, it sucks for unbeaten Triple G to leave Vegas with nothing. And in this fight, although Glenn Feldman scored at 114-114 like you did, like a lot of people did, nobody actually of the three judges that mattered scored it for Golovkin. That was tough to see. But, hey, I scored at 8-4. I, I may have been more extreme in the other direction. I gave, in hindsight, I didn't realize this until people started heckling me on Twitter, I gave the last six rounds to Triple G. And it wasn't a calculated effort to hold out Canelo. I thought there were so many close rounds in that second half that when you're looking, when you in the, in your mind, when it's time to score the round, and you're saying, okay, what did he do versus what he do? It was so close that I'm favoring Golovkin because he was the bigger puncher, because he kind of made Canelo fight his fight, and I thought he was the one who hurt Canelo. So I have no problem with my scoring in leaning in leaning Golovkin, but because those rounds are so close, Rafe, I also don't have problems that that Canelo won one fifteen one thirteen on two scorecards. And I can't talk robbery or corruptness. My, the lead of my story was, you know, death taxes and Canelo Alvarez gets the benefit of the doubt in Vegas. I mean, that is true. It's a reality of the sport. But unlike the first time, you could say a disputed decision, but you can't say controversial. What a great friggin' fight, Rafe. Damn. Like, damn. You know, I mean, I want to go back and rescore it because the first fight, I scored at 9-3 ringside. I didn't have the best view where I was in press area. Upon two more rewatches, I did 7-5, Triple G. I want to find out on this rear if my score changes. But I'm okay with 8-4, Triple G. Just like I'm okay if somebody had it 7-5, Canelo. So I don't want to jack back and do this big rant like everybody's doing on Twitter. But let's end – Let's no, no, no. Let's end that corruption talk. We'll never jack. We will never jack on this podcast. Never, never, never. John, man, you and I all over Vegas this weekend just quoting John Fury. I mean he's he's an underrated member of the show. Right? Oh, all right, good. All right, I didn't know if you were gonna. I didn't know if you were gonna jack back on me. Don't, don't do it now. Let me go. Um, look, man. Um, let me for a moment channel the angst of the pissed off Gennady Golovkin superfan. All right. There, there. You know what's messed up about this is not this decision. This, this in, individual fight. Because it was a great fight. I, like I said already, I scored it a draw. I thought that it was, I thought that Canelo fought better in this one and was just more, and, and it, I, both guys fought better. I don't, it was, yeah, it's an amazing fight. So I, it is not this fight, but it is the pattern. It is the terrible scorecard that seems to have robbed Triple G of some measure of, of, whatever is right in boxing of competitive justice in the first fight. So now he gets a draw in that. 
He gets a loss in this one that is not controversial, but not necessarily the consensus. That, that, that draw in the first one where I think people, more people believe that he actually won the first fight. All of this, you, you wrap it all up in a bundle and five years from now, what do you, what are, what is the story of this rivalry going to be if they never fight again? The story of this rivalry is going to be Canelo got the better of Triple G. And those of us who remember it, those of us who still care are going to be like, that ain't it at all. That ain't it at all. And the things we, things that aren't going to get wrapped up in that story, except they aren't, they aren't. The people, the things that are going to get, the ballast that's going to get cast aside when people are telling this story in five, ten years, I'm afraid they're not going to mention that Canelo won the lineal middleweight title off of Miguel Cotto at the end of 2015 and then dropped that title or dropped the belt, not the lineal title, but he he gave up the belt he won so he wouldn't have to face Triple G earlier. He waited him out an extra two years, basically, before that fight happened. And it was smart business, but he did that. And would these fights have looked different two years earlier? Probably. We don't know, but probably. Uh, and then on top of that, this man tested positive for PEDs right before this fight was made. These things are probably going to be forgotten five years from now when we're just saying, man, look at Triple G. Look, look at Canelo's resume. He beat Triple G. He got the best of that rivalry. So no, I honestly, I, that, 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 that stuff is messed up. And Canelo, look at how, look, how many majority decisions and split decision wins does he have? He's he, the only person he's ever lost a majority decision to or a split decision to is Floyd Mayweather, and he didn't even deserve that that draw card. Like, so even when he's losing split decisions, he's getting point, he's getting ca- ca- like rounds he doesn't deserve. And so, if you took someone that he that Canelo has beaten, if you took Iris Landi Lara, he's had a lot of MDs and SDs on his resumes. Flip all of those to wins. You got a you got a one of the best of his generation resumes right there. The, uh, the counterpoint so, to what you're saying, though, and that's a very fair rant. You're in his, and I, th- I said that leading into the fight. That's why I said it was legacy defining for Triple G. Because if he loses cleanly, we're not going to talk too much about that first fight anymore, right? But the counter to that, Rafe, is because boxing's so fickle and subjective, and they only fight once, twice a year. Like we already know, Rafe. You're only as good as your last headline. You're only as good as your last fight. Tell me if I'm wrong here. And I wrote a column which essentially said this. In one night, because of how well he fought and the style and the energy he used and all of that, Canelo kind of flipped the narrative from from heel to babyface and kind of removed us talking about clenbuterol, kind of removed us talking about Adelaide Bird or or as, uh, you know, we already – yeah, yeah. All right, Danny. We already know that. Danny Jacobs, you're the boy. But he kind of – Got rid of that because of how good. I said, you know, let's not call him a cheat liar anymore. Let's call him the middleweight king. And I think that's just the way boxing goes. Just like all we can do is shake our head and say the money fighter is always going to get the benefit of the doubt because historically that's how boxing goes. Yes, it's a corrupt sport. It really is. We don't need Teddy Atlas to remind us. It's a corrupt sport. We already know it. But, Rafe, do you buy any of that, that because Canelo fought that way, that – it's hard to to go back to clenbuterol and all that other stuff. Brian, boxing is full of s, man. I used to love this sport. Now it's just a that's just a payday for me. I make a little boxing bit of money off it. Shit, man. I used to love it. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, I am halfway there with you on that, Brian. In this fight, I this I would probably say, even though 
if I, I, even though I don't even think he, that Canelo won that fight, although he, obviously he could have, whatever, scorecards, scorecards. We understand boxing scoring here. I'm sorry. So many caveats. Um, even though I think this, anyway, I'm saying, I think that Canelo Golovkin too was Canelo's greatest night in the ring so far in his career that he definitely solidified the, his status as a as a great fighter for this generation and uh, certainly with time to improve on that and become an all-time great that pains me to say it this is the guy who I prayed that Kermit Cintron would expose once upon a time uh so he but but he showed that he is truly a brilliant fighter uh and among so the pound for pound best G. Yeah. Go to Triple G. I mean, because I, I'm not going most as, people think Triple G beat that brilliant fighter. Very true. I'm not going as far as Mannix did saying that Canelo has a, has a place as maybe pound for pound number one, but you know, he did move up one slot or two slots. I mean, like he did show you he has it right to show how close scoring was. I said I had an eight four. I mentioned two or three of those rounds were coin flips. So if you flip them, it's a draw or even seven five Canelo. Look, that's boxing. That's how it works. Yeah. That 12th round. From my vantage point, in my eyes, both guys went for it, but Triple G landed the bigger shots, and he was more active. I thought it was cl- it was as clear of a round that can be in a close fight. I thought Triple G won round twelve. You look at the scorecards, though. My guy Glenn Feldman had it had Triple G, but Dave Moretti and Steve Weisfeld had it for Canelo. And why that matters, Rafe? And I know, look, you can point to any round and see how it would change the scoring, but specifically in that twelfth round, if either Moretti or Weisfeld had scored that for Triple G. This rematch would have been a draw. Like, holy crap. This has been the first time in history in a major fight. The first one to draw, the second one to draw. I mean, it's weird. The Canelo-Triple G rivalry is now looking a lot like the Marquez-Pacquiao rivalry in a way. But we were one flip of the point. Did you think Gennady won the 12th round? Did you you think maybe this should have been a draw in hindsight if if that had happened? So my theory about the 12th round and how the official judges – who scored it for Canelo got to that is uh, those two moments in the second half of the round when Golovkin did, he disengaged, he stepped back for reasons I, that didn't make any sense to me. It it was, it it looked like he was doing the, you know, I'm all right, I'm going to cruise for a second thing. And then there were the, then Canelo was calling him back into looking at him like, aren't we going to finish this fight? And even though, Triple G, I think, got did the better work that round. Like, if you just score who hit, who landed the best shots, who fought best in this round, I think Triple G did enough. It 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 wasn't the most definitive round that I recall, but yeah, I thought he did more. Uh, but the judges, anytime you see that thing happen where the guy steps back in the twelfth round and takes two, even if even though Golovkin went right back in and did more work, anytime you see that happen, judges are gonna penalize them for that it's stu- it, it's one of these things that i don't love about scoring all the time but it's true i i think it, i really think it's true or as soon as i saw him do that live i i my, my heart sunk literally i was like no man don't do that they're not giving you this round if you do that and in two out of three cases that was that again that i mean i don't know if that's why but he didn't get that round yeah i guess i can understand that i mean it's it's so subjective it's so Damn close. It, it's just, it's crazy though. Like one point either way can affect that. Rafe, what would have been the reaction of the public had we gone back to back draws? The first one kind of a corrupt draw. The second one, you scored a draw anyway. It would have been perfectly justified. Would the narrative have been like, oh, they're only doing this for a third fight? Or would the narrative have, have been, these guys are perfect for each other? Hashtag fight forever. 
Well, I don't, I, I was thinking about that and it's hard to predict for me because there is a lot of emotion wrapped up in these two fighters, right? I, you see, you were saying the heel tag may have come off of Canelo in this fight. I think it got stronger, at least because there is such a, a big perception among a lot of fans. I mean, I, most of the stuff I saw on Twitter were angry Golovkin fans kind of pushing it a little too hard that this was some injustice. Like, like it, it was not an injustice. It, in fact, the, this fight reframed the rivalry for me in a way that's, uh, that, that kind of makes me feel that these fighters are almost perfect equals. They fight differently, but it's very hard to see who who has gotten the better of of this 24 of these 24 rounds altogether yet. They are on such such close terms with each other and it's beautiful to watch, but I I don't feel comfortable saying one fighter is actually a superior fighter to the other right after these two fights. These guys are just both great, almost perfectly equal in a weird way so that it feels so close that I, I usually I can say I think this guy's a little better. This this they, these guys are just right neck and neck. Um and but but the fan sentiment is just sort of like nah. Triple F that. Triple G got robbed three times. Vegas is BS. Boxing is BS. Blah. You know, the world is burning down. Um, and, and so I think that that side makes the heel tag stick pretty hard to Canelo because they're, people fair. just think this, here he goes again. Canelo always gets, always gets the benefit of the doubt. This is everything I hate about boxing. Blah, blah. Which, you know, and, and so there's a little bit of both going on. Uh, the Russian, I think, is, is, more to my liking. Yeah, I mean, I, the Russian was more to my liking. But now that it spins forward, Rafe, Golovkin's got a first loss. He left the ring. First of all, there was a melee right afterwards. I still haven't seen a replay of what happened. Did you get a feel of that real quick? Nothing? I, I saw, like, the the hullabaloo over in the corner. I couldn't figure out what who who went in there that wasn't supposed to be. or if And there I didn't see any footage of it. It didn't show up afterwards. So, no, I don't All right, really we'll ask Abel about on. that. We'll definitely ask Abel about that. But uh, Glovkin left the ring ang- angrily, didn't do a post-fight uh, comment to it with Max Kellerman, got stitched up. But I'll give him this credit, Rafe. Came back and was always the gentleman that he always is. Yes, when the question started to get pushed in the post-fight press conference, he, he kind of gave the quotes of like, you know, I didn't think Canelo did anything special. But he was quick to give full praise to Canelo. He was also quick to say, I'll do a third one if everything is right, which means financials, right? So, do, look, they're going to do a third one. They will because it just makes – it's uh, maybe not right away, but next year Oscar, Oscar said it, they're going to do a third one. But there's a couple things with that, like – Triple G will be 37 then. Do we get the feeling like Canelo's the craftier fighter, Golovkin's the bigger puncher, but knowing the Vegas element, knowing that Canelo's younger and in his prime, that Triple G's going to keep being Charlie Brown and, and the ball's going to keep getting pulled from him. That like, Is there anything Triple G actually can do outside of go to the body and maybe try to knock him out in the first couple rounds, which Canelo's showing you how tough he is. It's not likely or easy. Is there anything... Triple G actually could do to win one. I mean, are we ever going to see the, the, the Marquez Pacquiao four flush knockout where Triple G gets his due or is old Triple G setting him up himself up to be Pacquiao and get knocked out by Canelo one day? Yeah, that, so of course I want to see, look, these are great fights. And if there is another one, I will be very happy And boxing fans. That will be a big gift to us people, but as a guy who really cares about Triple G and and wants and his career and his legacy and wants to see him get that due and really be celebrated as a great fighter uh, and see him earn that, see him achieve that, 
it, it's scary. It's you got it. It may it wor- I get worried thinking about Triple G going in there and trying to keep. You know, I'm going to get him this time. I'm going to get him this time as he gets older and older. And yeah, eventually. Uh, it, it and also just the way the way the cards have seemed stacked against Triple G throughout the, this process and for for reasons we know. You know that that makes sense business wise. Uh, and also are just, but it just seems like he's cursed in this case. Not cursed to fight poorly, not cursed to not get his due, but, well, yeah, just basically not get his due, I guess. Um, he is, I, I just feel like if he keeps going after it, something bad, he's gonna, it's gonna get worse. He's, he's gonna, he'll get old all of a sudden, he'll, and, and then get stopped, and then the whole narrative of the thing will be, look, Canelo was always the better fighter, and I'll be like, it just wasn't true before, man, it wasn't true. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. I just think money-wise, Triple G still got that heart of a fighter in them that wants to prove he can beat him. We're going to see that third one. I just want to know what happens first. But, hey, we're going to see a replay of this fight on Saturday, September 22nd, 10.05 p.m. Eastern and Pacific on HBO. You'll get the, the full exclusive replay. Like I mentioned, Rafe, I want to see it to see if my scoring changes. Look at wherever you sit in an arena, it's going to affect your your view of it. Same thing with the judges. Same thing with the the broadcast team. I want to see it like everybody else saw it from home. Uh, Rafe, before we talk to Abel in a second, that undercard was interesting because it was knockout, knockout, knockout. So so real quick on this, uh, shout out to Chocolatito for for giving us a knockout of the year candidate with that two piece on Moises Fuentes. He took some damage though. Chocolatito got lit up a little bit to get that, but he 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 basically broke. Fuentes his backbone and then then kind of killed him. I mean that was that was as brutal as it gets. He's back. Yeah, I don't. He's back. He's back. I look. I'm, I'm happy. He's. I, I'm happy. He got the win. He looked like he didn't quite pop off the screen or out of the arena like like he did earlier in his career. Uh, but shoot, get the win. Step up a little bit more and, and see you know see what he could do. I, I hope that look. I I don't like to write people write fighters off. So in, until until it's you know until until Prince Nassim comes in and tells them to finish. Wow, wow. I mean, that's that's like that's you know. I know this sounds terrible. I think he should finish. No, that's that's, that's too harsh. That's too harsh. That's too harsh. Uh, Rafe David Lemieux, one punch KO. A lot of bad trash talk leading into the Spike O'Sullivan fight with Lemieux calling O'Sullivan a wife beater, or girlfriend beater. I mean, it got bad, but Lemieux still got it in terms of that that left hook, and he and he ended Spike. Now talk that he's a. Knowing Golden Boy, they have very little fighters under the stable. If Canelo does come back in December at MSG, like is being thrown out there, you, do you really see Lemieux as a future Canelo opponent, if not a future Golovkin one? Because now Lemieux's saying, I'm in my prime. I fought Triple G in his prime, but now I want Triple G to fight me in my prime. Lemieux's just a sexy B-side in the future, right? Yes, but a very – well, first, just a sexy beast and a sexy B-side. Uh, but he's – He's a good sexy B-side, and it would be fun to see him against Canelo. It is fun to see how elite fighters deal with the problem of David Lemieux, which is he's he, he comes he just comes after you, and he's going to try and knock your head off and punch you really hard. He's and he's not terrible, but you can definitely outbox him if you know how. And you got to figure that out. And, and it'll be interesting to see how can, what Canelo does. Would it look like the Kirkland fight? I think Lemieux's a bit better, stronger than than James Kirkland was. Uh, but it, it could look something like that. Uh, if they do, if they go on say a May and then September schedule for for Canelo Lemieux and then Can- Canelo Golovkin three, that would make some sense. 
Uh, and if they want to make Triple G and Lemieux again, I'm less interested in that. Yes. But if that ends up being the fight, then it ends up being the well, fight. This is an older Golovkin, so it could get a little bangy. We could see some banging. Uh, hey, Jaime Munguia turned Brandon Cook into a jobber. It was an impressive wash, but until we see him against live bodies again, it's tough to talk about that. All right, Rafe, as promised, it's time to get into an interview with Gennady Golovkin trainer Abel Sanchez. Let's welcome him in. Abel, thank you for the time. Less than 48 hours removed from this classic fight. I want to talk scorecards. I want to talk everything with you, Abel. But can you give me just a big picture reaction to being involved in such a dramatic, action-filled blockbuster pay-per-view that actually delivered did you get the same feels that we did that this was a special sort of modern classic that we saw on saturday absolutely that's all i was asking for prior to uh to the fight and all the build-up just for for it to be the kind of fight that fight uh fight fans would remember for a long long time i think we got that i think that uh it was exciting to be part of it it was uh um actually now and that, that it's over it's 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 kind of chilling, you know. You think about the goosebumps of all the people and the way in and all that. So it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Is it that? Is it is it hard to appreciate how a fight like how great a fight like that can be when you're in it and and you don't get the decision? You, you know, you don't get the decision at the end. No, I think that both guys fought a, a great fight. Both guys uh, came out of the ring as champions. I think the fans were satisfied. Uh, obviously, uh, we we wanted uh, to get the decision going our way, but. Uh, that's why you have uh, competent judges doing the, the judging. You know, I got to give credit, Abel, to to you, you, the Gennady team. Gennady, who I know he initially left the ring without doing a a post fight interview with Max Kellerman. I assume it, we thought at the time he was angry. You can answer that in a second. No, but no. but when you guys came back out for the press conference, you said it yourself. We can't, you know, we, we can't bitch and moan of every scorecard. We have to give Canelo his due. You know, a lot of people applauded that. I think rightfully so. You guys really respected the game plan Canelo and the, in the style in which he, he went out there and did that regardless of the scoring. Well, you know, uh, when we were in the ring waiting for them to, to interview Gennady, uh, the crowd, it was, it was in such a fever pitch and everything was so exciting that Gennady decided that it was Canelo's moment. Let him have his moment. Let him have his moment. He, he worked hard for it. Uh, they fought the kind of fight that uh, the fans wanted. So we just stepped out of the way and allowed him to have his moment. It was nothing about being upset. Fair enough. What happened in that melee afterwards, Abel? I, I didn't get a read on it. You know, unfortunately, uh, this got to the a point that it was personal on, on the training team on, on Canelo's side. And uh, they attacked. They came towards me. The security guards trying to hold them back. They, they kept uh, like uh, motioning and throwing punches uh, in the air at me. And uh, one of the guys on our side uh, uh, went forward to try to, I guess, you know, the emotions were high to try to to, to retaliate or, or to at least uh, keep it from getting any further. Uh, but it got quelled. Uh, the security guards in there were very good. Our guys were very good. So uh, it's part of this great emotional fight that we had on Saturday night. All right. We know the scoring here. I scored it 8-4. to four. For Golovkin, Rafe, my partner here, had it even. A lot of media members, at worst, had it even. Pretty much the consensus seemed to be 7-5 for Gennady. Now, Abel, unlike the first fight, I think you can call the scorecards disputed, but you can't call them controversial. I just mentioned you guys gave the respect to Canelo. How much of the scorecards were, you know, the money fighter's always going to get the nod? Or, hey, Canelo walked forward and gave a style that you could see giving him the, the win? Yeah, 
Well, first of all, walking forward does not uh, mean that you're winning the rounds. Uh, walking forward and getting hit uh, with jabs consistently. If you look at the Compu uh, box stats, uh, Gennady was up on, on most of them. Uh, but I think that the, what I'm hearing now, from when, now that uh, it's 48 hours later, is not so much the whole scoring, but the 12th round. The 12th round uh, would have made it a, a draw, which uh, I would have been satisfied with too because it was a great fight. Uh, two judges had it for uh, for Canelo, and uh, what from what I read and what I'm hearing is that everybody thought that we won the 12th round. But uh, be, it, be it as it may, it, it it gave us they gave us the fight that we asked for. Uh, we're going to remember this, and and hopefully that uh, the powers that be come together and and do it a third time. Yeah, and and Abel, I, I saw after the fight and some of the commentary and the video, the interviews you did, you mentioned that. For your tastes, you know, you were hoping that that uh, Gennady would be a little bit more aggressive. That, that and, and indeed, and you know, I remember in between the rounds, I think after the second, you told him uh, the, the cameras caught uh, caught you saying you're, you're showing him too much respect. Um, do you, you know, do you wish that that Golovkin that, that Golovkin had, like you said, gone in there and just made like gone for the fight instead of instead of boxing him uh, at the, w- the way he did. Well, like like in the uh, like in the first fight, yeah. Uh, fighter, we as coaches, all we can do is prepare them. All we can do is get them ready to to get in the gate and and, and make sure that we've done everything in the gym uh, for the game plan that we set aside to do. But when these fighters step through the ropes, in their and even in, in before they step through the ropes, in their mind, they have an idea of what kind of fight they want to fight. They're not necessarily going to follow the game plan, so it's up to us to try to adjust in the middle of the fight. Uh, look, Canelo in the first fight decided to be uh, to be running. Do you think the corner wasn't going nuts because he was doing this? Of course they were. Uh, in this fight, uh, he decides to come forward. Is the corner going nuts because he's doing this? And are we uh, in, uh, not in uh, in sync with with our guy because of the game plan we discussed? But it's what they see in there. It's, it's what they feel is going to be more effective. And uh, all we can do is try in the corner to advise and to and to and to tell them what it is that we see, but they're going to fight the fight that they feel is best for them in that particular moment. The the interesting part about the first fight is for as fun and entertaining and amazing as it was, both guys, I think you could have rightfully criticized what they didn't do. The rematch, both guys, for the most part, pretty much emptied the tank and fought at an incredible, the pace, I mean, Abel, the pace was incredible. Unbelievable. But the one thing people are still pointing to is that Gennady's body punch output went from six in the first fight to eight in the second. And a lot of experts, analysis, former fighters, trainers were saying, hey, he's got to go to the body against Canelo. Was that part of the game plan that, that you wanted that from him? Yeah, I, I wanted 100% of Gennady. Uh, what Gennady's done in the past and what Gennady's done uh, in, in previous fights was part of the things that we wanted to do. But again, they they seemed to look at it from a different perspective. But just because he didn't go to the body doesn't mean that he wasn't winning the rounds. Uh, effectiveness, uh, landing punches from the outside in, in, in boxing, uh, because he, maybe because he had people never seen him do it, uh, box anyway, but this kid had 350 amateur fights. So he, he knows how to box. He knows how to fight from the outside. So And he wasn't throwing punches before he got to me, really body punches before he got to me. So... Um, Maybe he, they just go back to what they know best, or what they think they know best, or in, in what's effective for them. And do you think maybe able that 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 long amateur career, that Olympic pedigree, uh, makes it, it sort of hardwired almost inside Gennady now that he's he 
won't go full reckless and and really try and start a brawl in which which he might be better suited to win versus Canelo than than a straight up where, where at a when they just box each other they're very very even you know they just edge each other in each round. Yeah, well, in the middle in the middle rounds, I'm sure I was caught saying to him, "Let's make it a fight. Let's make it a fight. Let's go after this guy." Uh, in uh, 350 amateur fights, uh, is hard to forget. Uh, sometimes when the things get uh, difficult or, or it's uh, it's that kind of fight, you go back to what you do best, what you know best. And um, maybe that was part of it. But, uh, you know, it, saying all these things is great, but uh, you, we have to give credit to both guys for fighting the kind of fight that they fought. I mean, they did. If Let's just say uh, Golovkin went to the body and, and weakened them and everything. We wouldn't have had the classic fight that we had. Uh, if, if, um, if Canelo does something different, and is not as effective doing the things that he was doing, then, then we have a different fight. So I think we, I think we should be just be happy for, for the kind of fight that they gave us and thrilled us. Yeah, and I want to give a, a positive to Gennady and ask you a question about it. Some people coming in, sometimes we talk about it on this show, we're like, well, Gennady's an incredible front runner. He's just such a great boxer. He corners people. He knocks people out. Does he have a plan B? Can he adjust? I got to give Gennady a lot of credit. At the midway point of the fight, I had a four to two for Canelo. Canelo was backing him up. Gennady's output went down. I thought maybe he looked a little winded, but you saw that, Abel. Round seven, eight, nine. Gennady really changed, you know, turned the script and came back. What adjustment did you guys make to be able to uh, create that ebb and flow and come back and take the lead? Well, in in the I want to say the fifth or sixth round, if you see me whispering in his ear, I said some things to him that uh, that uh, motivated motivated him, that made made him understand what we needed to do, what we needed to to step on the gas, what we needed. Is not something I want to say to anybody, but it's uh, if you notice in in that in those rounds or that one round, I did whisper in his ear, so it was important that uh, um, that he understood my meaning. Nice, nice. I like that. I like that. A lot of talk about a third fight. We want to see it. Money talks, so I, I think we will see it. Do you have any fear? And I don't want to always dip back to the corrupt side. Because, look, this was a close fight. There was no corruption. But as the trainer of a guy who you thought he won the first two fights. I thought he won the first two fights. What, is there any fear in you that, like, what else can we do to actually get a win? Do you feel like Juan Manuel Marquez chasing Manny Pacquiao right now, saying, you know, outside of a, a blunt force, one-punch knockout, how do we beat this guy? How do we beat Vegas? Is there any of those thoughts in your head? You know, all those things I said prior to this to this matchup, all those things I said about the, uh, the advantages that the money fighter or the house fighter uh, has, uh, the influence that promotion has on, on different states, but... Uh, the, the bottom line is it, it's that way everywhere. It, it's the, it, it may not be something that's, that's obvious, but uh, it's that way everywhere. I think that uh, the kind of fight that they gave us as evenly matched as they were in these two fights, what was it, one round difference in this fight? If the 12th round goes to Golovkin by one judge, it's, it's, a, it's a draw. Um, so uh, there, is, there is concern, obviously, but uh, because it is uh, two out of two here, but the bottom line is, What's best for boxing should be done, and if this is the the spot that uh, that fight is best for boxing, then this is where it has to be. I want to ask you one question more about Gennady. Uh, what made this fight great was I really felt like both, you know, emptied the tank, so to speak, in terms of their stamina, in terms of their heart, in terms of but you know, Canelo biting down in that tenth round and taking bombs and not going down. You know, Gennady better than anyone. Was this the closest 
he ever came to really giving every drop of sweat, every, you know, bit of heart? I mean, did you see him hurt in there? How close was this to the full-on every ounce of fuel that's in that gas tank to try to win this fight? Uh, he was not hurt, but what, what uh, he did empty his tank. But if he had empty his tank a little sooner on Canelo, Canelo would have been wore out as well. Uh, so I think going into the 12th, we, uh, uh, we may have been able to dominate him even, even more than we did. But, uh, no, I think both guys, both guys left everything in the ring. Both guys, gladiators, both guys left everything in the ring. And credit to both guys for, for thrilling us. And I think, uh, you know, another part of the fight is that they, they both showed a new, a different aspects of what great boxers they are you know with with the, the different fighting styles and and strategies that we didn't necessarily from the outside expect to see and and being successful doing things that they aren't always known for doing um i, I, I wanted to ask you abel do you how do you, how, do you obviously gennady hasn't lost in his professional career before this um how do you think he will take that. Is is that going to weigh heavily on him? Is he is it going to change his outlook to the to the sport to to anything? Uh, obviously that he'll determine that. But but what's your sense of it, given how well you know him? Well, just like uh, prior to the fight and when we had the controversies uh, with the Clemblero, uh, I think that Golovkin was just trying to open eyes. Mm-hmm. I think that he was just trying to point out uh, wrongs. Uh, in the sport that he he loves to put because this is a sport to him. But as they showed at the end of the fight, regardless of all the things that were said, regardless of what the teams, not them necessarily, but what the teams had said about each other, they hugged each other, that respect because they know they both went through hell, they both went through death right there, that respect that they have for each other, uh, I think showed in that last, uh, when the bell rang in the 12th round and they hugged each other. I'm sure the things that were said to each other were, uh, I'm sure it's confidential to them, but but uh, it was obvious the respect that they have for each other. So uh, saying that, uh, I think now it's up to tempers to, to, to cool down a little bit, uh, emotions to cool down, and uh, both of them get some rest. And then uh, at the end of the year, beginning of next year, Tom and, uh, and Oscar and Eric, uh, I'm sure, are going to sit down and, and discuss what's best not only for the, the, the fighters' careers, but what's best for boxing and, and would be, uh, what kind of interest it would be for a third one if there's going to be one. Love it, love it. Abel, thank you so much for being uh, raw and real with us so soon after the fight. Always great to chat with you. We want to see a third one as much as anybody else does. So thank you for your time, sir. And I just want to say again, a lot of class from you guys in defeat. So well done on that end. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you very much. All right, Rafe, many thanks to Abel Sanchez for joining us. Good stuff there, Rafe. I mean, what else can they do? What else can they do, Rafe? I don't know what I, you know what, you know what, one of the things I, I thought about on that long drive home in the middle of the night that I always force upon myself after going through these gut wrenching Can- Canelo Triple G fights where I'm just, I'm like, why, how, how did I get here? How did this happen? Uh, one of, one of the thoughts that, that brought a moment of lightness to the drive when I was like, you know what? At least I got to see Floyd. Shut him out, outclass him, make him look like Robert Guerrero. It ain't even Berto. Wow. It's Guerrero. I mean, he that, after that fight, that was that that was a similar outclassing. It was a pure shutout. And of course, the age matters and all those. And it, and in fact, maybe looking back on on Canelo's career, we're going to look back and look at that as a turning point and what 
what he and how he, unlike a lot of fighters who who saw Floyd and then almost couldn't like never look themselves in the mirror again, never seemed to have the same self belief in themselves as fighters after Floyd just made them look like fools. Canelo took that. And it made him greater. He really, you just see the progression from there. Now, he also learned some business habits from Floyd that uh, can, we can pick bones with, but whatever. He, that, but still, it felt good. I'm just going to go back and enjoy those clips of Floyd giving him two pieces, pull counters, making him miss, making him just look silly. I, and, and it also occurred to me that might be the only way we see Canelo lose in his prime is to be totally outclassed because oh, I thought you were going to say way- to, to face a fighter who sells more pay-per-views than him. That's the only way we'll see Canelo lose. <laughs> that too. That too. Yes. Uh, to be totally outclassed in, in, in by a slicker, faster, better boxer, uh, because we see that he, at, at the way these two fights went, the shots he's taken from triple G, I don't think he's an easy man to knock out at this point in time. And wow. Miguel's code, Miguel's Miguel Cotto's brother, the only man to noticeably wobble. <laughs> Canelo Alvarez uh, in the ring. Who would have thunk it? Jose Miguel. Hey, Errol Spence will be the guy that will one day do that to Canelo, but only if he gets famous enough. All right, Rafe, we got to get out of this fight. Uh, we know Tyson Fury will never pull out. I'm not pulling out nothing. So, uh, I only, we only have 10 seconds for it in the show. What's your fear level that, that Fury Wilder does not happen in 2018? Since, by the way, they haven't announced the fight yet. Very, very high, especially if Maypac stuff happens. There's not going to be a lot of room on that calendar in December. Hey, good segue there. Floyd Mayweather tried to steal the show Saturday morning. Holy crap. Hey, full full disclosure here, Rafe. You and I shared a hotel room on Friday night. I don't know if, if you expected me to share that there was multiple beds, so let's not. Don't be you know, bragging about my side pieces, Brian. I mean, you know you know what brothers do and all that. Him and his brother used to bang it up. But uh, there were separate beds. I just want to say that I woke up. To the news that in Tokyo, in the middle of the night at a music festival, Floyd sent out a video that him and Manny want to do it a second time. It was a weird video. Why are they at this? Sean Gibbons! Gibbons is there! Why is he there? That's just weird. But the announcement was huge. The next, that morning, we end up having time with Bob Arum. They're going to, people are going to hear that interview this week. But what came out of that interview, I didn't even know, was that Manny's top rank deal was up after the Matisse fight. They kind of kept that hush hush. They tried to renegotiate. It didn't happen. Top rank is out of the Manny Pacquiao business after 17 years, Rafe, which suddenly makes Floyd Manny too a real possibility. Mike Coppinger of the ring just came out today with a report. That the contracts could be signed and announced this week and December 1st or 8th. One of those weeks is supposed to be Lomachenko. December 8th is a big UFC card, but it doesn't matter. May Pack 2 is coming to your living room, brother, with 41-year-old Floyd and a Manny who turns 40 in December. Your thoughts. What a night for MP promotion. <laughs> it is going to be a legendary night in Dubai. No, it's, I, hey, what are my thoughts? My thoughts are, I did not expect it. I am surprised, uh, especially that they would be able to get it done so quickly. I guess my, uh, since that, that whole encounter seemed pretty staged that they would both be at this music event in, in Tokyo on the same day. Uh, it's almost like the basketball court meeting that, that, that helped light the fuse yes. for Maypac one. Uh, you know, it, it, it seemed pretty calculated, this this whole end, the timing of it, to upstage and get a lot of news on a big fight weekend. Uh, so 
uh, maybe they were working on it already and, and that's why they can get the contracts and everything done so quickly. Maybe, maybe Manny's just like, look, I know you have all the leveraging, you know, you have all the leverage this time, Floyd. So, uh, how, whatever big paycheck you're willing to cut me, I think we can make, work something out. I don't know. I don't know where they're going to do it. Uh, but well, it, I guess they're going to do it in Vegas if Floyd's fighting. That's going to be interesting for Manny. Uh, yo, it's, it, it it's gonna be fun. I don't really. I'm not gonna get mad at it. Everyone likes to get mad. Boxing is not pure. It is a it is a crazy circus sport half the time. That is very much in the sports DNA. And this is this is won't even be a, a a true circus fight. It's just gonna be an oddity. Look, you and I were ahead of the game after he Pacquiao knocked out Matisse. We're like, we're gonna see this fight, folks. Get ready. And guess what? We don't hate it. So I was a little bit turned off. At the reaction on Twitter to people, you know, Dan Rayfield writing, oh, we've seen it before, it sucks. Like, it, those sentiments aren't, like, inherently wrong. But big picture, look. What, let like- me ask you a question. You you have a little bit of a good memory for these things. What was the – back when they did Hopkins-Jones 2, when they were doing the, – they did fights like that, that – when both fighters weren't really anywhere, well, Bernard was still really, really good. Uh, Roy was, was well past it. Like, isn't that comparable to something like this? Well, this is not, this is not a real legacy. This, in this is theory, just- it is comparable, but, you know, HBO, by the way, wouldn't even do that fight in pay-per-view. They had to do it independent, and, and really that fight did not sell well at all. It's comparable because they're two legends and they're 40-ish's, but I think with Floyd's unbeaten streak, it's different. It's just different, okay? And we're talking about two guys that are much bigger stars, too, as well. And my my point was, look, enough of the faux outrage. I get yeah. that the first fight wasn't as entertaining after a five-and-a-half-year buildup. But I think the second one's going to be fun because the expectations won't be there. And because it's hashtag old guy fights. And because, look, everyone's going to say they're hate, they're going to hate it, but everyone's going to watch it. I don't care what you say. People are going to buy it. They're going to watch it. We talked about it a billion times. If it does half the business of the first fight or a third, it's still going to be a monster pay-per-view. And by the way, it's good for the sport. It's good for the sport. In a calendar year where we've really only had one major, major fight, it's good for the sport to have these guys come back. Yes, I'm done with Floyd's typical shtick, drama, BS but him being away for a while, he does know how to make things feel big. And there's weird elements to this rematch that I'm – maybe I'm a degenerate, but I like. It's the old guy fight element, the fact that when your skills are diminished, sometimes you got to brawl. Sometimes you got to fight like that to win. It's the fact that Floyd's risking this perfection that he's accumulated. I mean, the the – if you're telling me there's no suspense in seeing him have a chance to lose that O, you're crazy. Like, you're crazy. It still matters. It could change the way we think about him, even though it could come at 41 in an old guy fight. And the whole idea of, like, Manny's shoulder, which I think is BS. But, look, there's there's some things to care about with this fight, Rafe, even beyond just being a degenerate. It's not Connor. It's not Connor. That's the real deal. Manny's going to give him the raw dog, the gloves of Clitoreus. Wow, wow. A lot, a lot of sound bites uh, merging there. I like that. I like that. So, look, we're going to see it. But the thing, the one thing I don't like about it is this. In the video, Manny kind of got punked by Floyd. Like, almost like, come on over here. Like, in the whole idea here, look, like, Manny's late in his career. He needs the money to maintain his lifestyle. He owes, apparently, you know, tons of millions to the IRS. Um, oh, I, whatever. We don't know that. that. But my point is, I, I feel like Manny's just just like being used here like a whore like it gives floyd a chance to come back get one more big giant payday in a fight he knows he can win and it's like man seeing manny sort of just swallow and walk up to floyd and kind of get you know floyd's making fun of him about the shoulder while swallow is the bad word there but swallow his pride to a certain degree 
like I, I know you can argue that and be like, dude, Floyd Manny's gonna have a chance to go back and run that fight back and get the win that he didn't have. Blah blah. blah. I just feel like Manny's being used. I mean, he's fighters get used, but Manny's getting used here. Um, I, let me defend Manny a little bit in that. Look, he didn't look great in the video, but I, he's just not as he 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 wasn't shooting the video. It wasn't done on his terms. It wasn't done in his second language even. Uh, and he still speaks English and understands English quite well. Uh, but he's not he's not going to be out there being able to roll with the punches and and play the dozens with Floyd Mayweather. It ain't going to happen. He, he he doesn't speak quick like that in 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 English. And so he looked a little lost in the video, but I I, I wouldn't read too much into that to to suggest that he's somehow being used in this fight. It's a it's the best thing out there for both of them. I mean, that's why we said, "Yo, it makes sense. They're going to do it after the Matisse fight." And whatever the money is, it's going to be good money compared to what Manny would make fighting Amir Khan. Hell yes. Uh, and it actually, look, I don't know. It's, it would be in, what does it mean competitively for their careers? I, you could argue it both ways. You could argue that it's total BS and we should just enjoy it as a, as a freak show and not read too much into it. Not even a freak show, but it's something that is, as something that is not part of their real true competitive legacies. Yeah. But then if it turns into a great fight or something crazy happens, something unexpected, then you're damn right we're all going to use that to, 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 to talk about their legacies. Yeah, I know. You're right. Like, what if Floyd gets some nasty cut in round two, and then he's got to try to, like, brawl his way to round four to, to to win a technical decision? I mean, there could be wild. There could be a fan man that could be wild. I just mean, without Aram there to financially protect Pacquiao, you just don't want to see him get made fun of by Floyd the whole promotion and then get some kind of really bad cut on the on the deal just because Manny needs the money. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't care. Whatever. I am in. The, I am here for this fight, bottom line. And if people say they're not... Get over yourself. Like, come on. I know it could be Leonard Duran 3 and be a joke, but people care. Anyway, Friday night, Rafe, real quick, uh, top rank on ESPN. Oh, yeah. Jose Ramirez with a 12th round hard-fought, hard-earned unanimous decision over Antonio Orozco to defend that 140-pound title in Fresno. You and I watched that from a sports book in the Mandalay Bay, and we went nuts for that, bro, when Orozco got dropped in round four and then would not stop showing his wavos and trying to win that fight Made Ramirez earn it, Rafe. Great fight. Yeah, and I owe an apology to our guy Evan Corn, corner man. Uh, the PR, the corner man runs PR for Top Rank right now. Uh, I uh, I did. We played when we were playing. Do you care? Last week, you threw this one at me, and I just I I crapped on it. I said, hell no. You know, I don't need to see this fight on that day while I'm my head is all wrapped up in all things Canelo Golovkin, and and the, I understood where I was coming from at that time, but. Hell, that fight, it made me stop thinking about Canelo Golovkin. And, uh, you know, shouts to you, corner man. Thanks for hooking us up always. And, uh, I will, I will never jack back on a Jose Ramirez track again. I promise. I'll never back. I won't jack. And uh, I won't jack. I promise I won't jack because I'm treated and he ain't. Yeah, yeah. Bottom line. Hey, corner man got us Aram and he did try to set an over under. He's tried to set a line on how quickly we would get into the orgy, but you're going to have to find that out this week. Anyway, great fight there. And the final little bit of news. Hey, top ranks making moves, Rafe. Kovalev, Elida Alvarez 2 is coming to ESPN in early 2019 as the sort of predictions of HBO's demise continue. It's a big pickup for Bob. I like that they're now saying, we're going to bring in fights of promoters we don't even, you know, that we don't even have a fighter in this fight, but we're going to promote this fight, bring it to ESPN. It's really making ESPN feel like it's trying to become the dominant power above Showtime and above, you know, 
whether Fox, whatever PBC on Fox is going to look like. You got to give Bob the, uh, the, the, the do here, right? Yeah. Look, it, it sounds like he, and we'll see this on the interview tomorrow when everyone gets to listen. We are, we are teasing the hell out of this interview. The teasing guy. the hell out. And, the, and if you're going to like the interview, you're going to love the orgy. Let me tell. I mess. never it's a mess that we're so have. many 86 year old men. Uh, yes. Uh, it's, it's they, the way that they're talking about it. And you got to Im- include some under that we understand that he's BSing a little bit. He's always spinning. Everyone is always spinning in boxing. But the way they're talking about it is that Top Rank views themselves as like programming partners with ESPN. That they're they're not just there to make a buck off of the network and and provide the minimum they need to 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 give them the content and decent product that that would sell. But they are actually approaching it like a we want to get the best possible pro- stuff for our, our, our partners here at ESPN. And if that means getting the Miguel Roman and, and, uh, and Miguel Berchelt fight later this year, boom. Uh, if that means getting Kovalev Alvarez too, boom. We, we just want to make this thing work. Uh, I, you know, anytime you hear Bob Arum selling such a positive line, you got to be a little skeptical, but, they're walking the talk to a pretty good de- degree, and they're putting on great TV fighters like Jose Ramirez, Alex Salcedo. I'm not necessarily convinced they are the best fighters in their weight class, which is 140 pounds, but those guys are hella fun to watch. And shoot, it is good TV a lot of the time, uh, which is about all you can ask for. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Speaking of TV, I don't know if it's good. It's time to play Do You Care, Rafe? Weekend Preview Edition. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. All right, Friday night, Showbox on Showtime from Shawnee, Oklahoma. John Fernandez versus Oshaki Foster, 10 rounds junior lightweights. I don't care about his life. I don't care about his career. I don't care. <laughs> Shout out to Angel Garcia on that one. Believe what I'm telling you. Now, that's not backwashing either. Uh, Rafe, Saturday, be in Sports Espanol from Monterey, Mexico. Aureli Muccino versus Maria Salinas for Muccino's WBO women's flyweight title. Do you care? Oh, this is going to be a women's flyweight classic. All right. The maybe. I maybe I'm expecting it. Honestly, I'll say this right now. I'm expecting it to be the best women's flyweight title fight I have ever seen. Wow. Take that to the bank. The, the blood bank. Wow. All right, Rafe. Uh, after you just crapped on that Saturday from Las Vegas, it's a Mayweather Promotions Facebook stream. Hey, Floyd, you're following Oscar down the dirty road of free Facebook streams here. The main event, Cameron Crail versus Jose Borrego. Ten rounds junior welterweights. Do you care? Wow, no. Do you care about this co-main, which is Lionel Thompson versus Derek Finley? Rafe, he's still fighting. Derek Whoa, Finley. Oh, that is an awesome matchup of lovable sort of journeyman guys who fight from everywhere between like 160 pounds to cruiserweight. This is a those super guys. Yes. I love those guys. Derek Finley, who who had the the most insane hematoma against Lamar Russ at the Broadway Boxing Shouts to Lou Lou, Lou DeBella. Oh my god. Derek yeah, Derek Finley, we saw him get sent to hell by uh 
somebody. Was oh, it, it was a, uh, it was uh, a Rodriguez. Uh, it was uh, a yeah, La Bamba. Ed, Ed, La Bamba. Edwin Rodriguez sent him to hell on the non-televised uh, portion of the of the Night of Champions. Temecula. He, does, he met us in Temecula. We were all wearing our bathrobes. It was amazing. Uh, I, I, I'm pumped. I, and, and and I remember Lionel Thompson from losing to Sergey Kovalev and fighting on some fu- on some decent undercards with the uh, the main events NBC Sports days. I'm yes. in. I care. This is a. Uh... Super middleweight bout. Derek Finley, by the way, he always fools you because he's always jacked and he has a lot of tats. He always looks like a badass. And then you realize he's 28, 23, and 1 with 18 KOs. He's only 34 somehow. And, Rafe, you mentioned it. He's fought everybody in almost a mundane shape-shifting type of way. He already he has two fights scheduled on his box rec page in the next month, by the way. But you take him lightly like Donovan George may have in 2017 and you get KO'd. That's just what happens, Rafe. I mean, we can't talk anymore about that. We got to go. All right, moving on. Uh, Saturday in Germany, Rafe. Jack Colke versus Rafael Bejeron, junior middleweight, twelve rounds. Do you care? That's didn't Colke fight? Uh, uh, Andre. Andre. Yeah, he probably. I don't give a damn. All right, Tyron Zeggy is is fighting TBA on that undercard. You don't care. All right, Rafe. Monday from Nagoya, Japan. Shokamura versus Kosei Tanaka for Kamura's WBO flyweight title. Do you care? Uh, I'll pay it some lip service, but if you're in my deep heart of hearts, not really. All right, all right. Well, before we get into the fight that you do care about this weekend, friend of the program, Todd Grisham, stopping by. We talked to him earlier today. Let's throw to that sound now. All right, Rafe, I teased it off the top. And before we get into all things Joshua Pavetkin, friend of the show, Todd Grisham, one of the most eligible bachelors in America. Got a great set of abs for a guy over 40, so I'm not sure if he's going to pass any USADA test anytime soon. But he has a big announcement regarding the future of his career. Let's bring him in right now. Todd Grisham, thank you for joining us. I want to try to predict this announcement. Does it have anything to do with Roxy and a restraining order? Leave me the hell alone tonight. <laughs> Please leave her alone. Please leave her alone, Todd. Thanks for joining us, brother. Great to hear your voice. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. No, I just signed with DAZONE. Uh, me and Sergio Mora are going to be doing the undercard fights probably the first four to five of the night. And then Brian Kenny and Sugar Ray Leonard take us home. But, uh, yeah, I should be doing, you know, anywhere between 15 to 20 dates next year. I'm super pumped. I still got my glory kickboxing going on. Still top-ranked Golden Boy when I can. So I'm everywhere. All the time, you wow. cannot escape my presence. Wow, Todd Grisham, congratulations! You are in the zone. You're kind of becoming an almost Chris Mannix level of media whore here. Have check, will cash it. <laughs> hey, I got three daughters, brother, and they are all starting to want everything at the store. One little one dollar present from the Dollar Tree doesn't cut anymore. You know this, Brian. You got two boys. Oh yeah. Now all of a sudden they want Dollar General. Before you know it, they're going to want Neiman Marcus. Oh wow! It, it, it goes that quickly. So so well done to you. Are you excited to be on the private jet to London for Wembley for AJ for ninety thousand, a hundred thousand? How many of them Brits are going to be there? You you fired up for this fight? I'm super pumped. I've got to actually go to Amsterdam uh, two days before to do a press conference for Glory, so I don't get the luxury of the. Uh, private jet. However, I do get to see the red light district, so it's kind of a wash. Wow! Give him the red light, Rafe. He's ready to go. Wow! Wow! <laughs> well, I, I thought I thought Eddie Hearn was going to have that jet 
sort of already stacked with the similar kind of uh, products you would find in the Amsterdam red light district? Maybe. I, I don't know, but I've, I wanted to be on the private jet. Trust me. Every fiber <laughs> of my being wanted me to be on that jet, but it, it, alas, it will not happen for me. Now, Grish, you're going to be an announcer on this card. You can't make predictions. I respect how the game works. But tell me just quickly here what you think about Joshua Povetkin in terms of danger. Because we all wanted Joshua to fight Wilder. We know Tyson Fury's lingering. What do you think Alexander Povetkin still has outside of veins pumped up with meldonium? <laughs> well, you know what? I, I, his last fight against David Price, now granted David Price has the glass chinniest chin of any heavyweight that maybe ever lived. But he blew him out after getting rocked early. So he, I know he's got the power to do it. And obviously David Price is a big guy. AJ is a big guy. So it can happen. But, you know, when the bookies are making you basically uh, a 25-1 to 1 favorite like they have for Anthony Joshua, it's going to be a long road to hoe. But Joshua didn't look that fantastic against Parker. And, um, you know, obviously everyone's focused on Wilder and AJ at some point. So maybe he gets caught looking ahead. But Pavetkin can, can bring it. He's a top five heavyweight, no doubt about it. I would go as far as saying he can bang Grish, and you've told us in the past on the air about what brothers can do. Him and his brother used to bang it out all the time. Now you, I mean, they, they bang. <laughs> I, I don't know that I could really hear that very well, but I, I imagine it was funny. Yeah, well, yeah, all right. There, there's the, the beauties of live of live podcast. Go ahead, Rafe. What do you got? What do you got? Oh, I know. I was going to ask Todd. Um, I wanted to make sure that the great news about DAZN here with you does not mean we will no longer be seeing you on the Golden Boy Facebook broadcast with AC Slater, Mario Lopez to form what is becoming the most entertaining, you know, play-by-play duo or blow-by-blow duo in boxing. Well, unfortunately, I can't do the next card, which is September 29th, because I'll be doing a, a big event for Glory Kickboxing. They're actually having a fight in the soccer stadium in Amsterdam. So world heavyweight title fight. So that's going to be won't be eighty thousand fans there, but you know maybe twenty thousand. So I'm pumped for that. So I'll miss that one, but I can't wait to get back with those guys. Uh, Roxy's awesome. We like taking shots at each other, and obviously Mario Lopez. Like I listened to your your uh, <laughs> podcast last week or the week before. He knows his stuff, man. He trains at Wildcard Gym. He, he's he's around fighters all the time. He's best buds with Steve Kim, so he's in the know and he's pretty good. Yeah, so he's not a, I don't know if we can say this word on here, but he's not an arrogant douche. You're saying he's a good dude, like he's A.C. Slater in real life. I'd say I'm more of a douche than him. If we had to go douche levels, <laughs> uh, I'm probably more of a douche. No, but he, you have to understand this guy, you don't think of him as a huge celebrity, but, you know, walking into these uh, arenas and anywhere you go with him, he's swarmed by people all day, all the time. So, I mean, eventually you get a, probably a little callous to it. But he's been very nice to me. He's not, I've seen him be extremely nice to everyone that comes up to him. So maybe you, uh, maybe he just doesn't like you, Campbell. I mean, I know that's hard for you to believe, wow. but you're kind of unlikable in certain sections uh, of the world. Da- how dare you? Wow, wow, Chris, <laughs> bring it. Let's be honest. You think Rafe? You think Rafe really wants to be doing a podcast with your ass? No, it just happened this way. Stockholm syndrome, you know, like it can get the best of you sometimes. Just you just get stuck in a situation. You try to make the best of it. Um, I want the other my other Facebook uh, Golden Boy related question for you, Grisham, was what was it like to be ringside and watch six rounds of Nico Masia yes. Booster? That that pumped me up like nothing else. Hey, let me tell you something. Everyone was talking about Triple G and Canelo, how great that fight was in the atmosphere. I'm telling you. 
inside the Fantasy Springs Casino for those six <laughs> rounds or whatever it was with Nico Macias, man. That fight, that guy, unbelievable. A star is born. Don't feed him to the lanes. Give him three or four more fights. But I'm telling you, that guy could be – he's like the second coming of Vinny, Ponzi, Vinny Ponzienza. Probably not as talented, but as far as output – I mean, the guy, the referee would break him up. You remember this? And he was, he was, it was like a, an attack dog, you know? And, and unless you know the German word for stop, he's going to keep going. He just goes after you, after you, and after you. He's a freaking machine. I mean, he's got, I, I've never seen anything like that in any combat sport. And he's got double rat tail. He's basically got a mullet. And he looks like he just, uh, he's in another world in his head in, in, in a great way. Like he could become an all time level TV fighter. I'm sure you did uh, the fighter interviews the day before with him. Like, can you tell us about this guy personality-wise? Because on this podcast, he's already a folk hero. Well, he's his nickname's the Rooster, and he loves making rooster sounds and strutting to the ring and acting <laughs> like pecking food off the ground. And you know, he'll, he's he's basically to me, he's like a Southern boy redneck where I grew up, but he's from California, so he doesn't have the redneck accent. But I mean, he's. We're like, you know, when was the last time you got knocked down? He's like, oh, when I was seven, my brother knocked me down in the front yard. I mean, he said stuff like that. Because brothers so, like to bang, like you like you said on the air. They, those brothers it, used to bang it out. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, you know what he said, too, that uh, I think his brother caught him with a body shot. And he said, I learned that that can really hurt me. So he goes, I, I got toughened up. He goes, so no one will ever drop me with a body shot ever again. So uh, I guess he just had his brothers basically punch him in the stomach in his garage until it didn't hurt anymore. <laughs> Rafe, this is unbelievable. This is like an American uh, folk hero story. I love that. I, I want to build the rooster into everything he can be. I'm I'm already you know all the way in on this. Hey, hey, Grish. Right. Well, I mean, it, yeah. Go I ahead. Mean, we, we look we look at him fight too. I mean, he stands completely square. He's wide open for counter shots. But the guy he fought was like a, a, a Mexican amateur national champion. Was undefeated. And he wilted like a flower in August, man. It was really impressive. Now, do you think outside of being a, an attraction, like, can he be a player at 154? What would you get a vibe of that from the promoters, from the broadcast? I, I think it's way too early. I mean, it's, he's right now he's just a comet streaking through the, through the night. <laughs> you got to bring him up incremental. You know, you got to. You can't just throw him right to the tip top of the division, give him a top five guy yet. Uh, you need to see him four or five times. I mean, he still hasn't fought anybody. Let's be honest. No one that we recognize. So give him a, I think you guys were throwing out what, Breedis Prescott or something like that, or, a, you know, a shop worn guy. That'd be great. Give him somebody that's, uh, you know, barely hanging on themselves and, and let him bang it out. Mickey Rourke, maybe. Yeah. He's always available. <laughs> Love it. Grish, you mentioned you're from the Redneck South, the the great Bay Manette, Alabama. Wow, 8,000 people. You have made it to their Wikipedia page under notable names. Can you name anyone else off the top of your head who you join in that in that pantheon of Bay Manette? Well, when I was there, when I grew up there, now this is this is like, what, 30 years ago. Our, the population was under 4,000, so that place has exploded. Wow. We didn't have a Walmart. We had two stoplights in the town. I mean, when Walmart came to Bayonet, Alabama, after I moved away, you would have thought literally that someone said, hey, it's free gold today. Come on down and get free gold. <laughs> so I'm trying that to figure out how the parking the, lot. I mean, how the population double? Was it the jobs Walmart brought in or did people they just bang? Well, you know, people's cousins become cousins and further cousins. <laughs> and before you know it, you got 8,000 people there. 
All right, Grish, uh, I got a lot of ridiculous questions, but I got to get to the one that I, I care about the most for you. Uh, we do something on the show called, uh, we had to start following it. It's a movement in boxing called Load Watch 2018. Cause I don't know what happened, Grish, but every announcer personality in boxing in the last year to describe when somebody has run out of gas in a fight has gone to the extreme of saying things like this. So he shot his load. Let him shoot his load. I mean, Grish, it's out of control. Even your partner, A.C. Slater, jumped in. He, he may have shot his wad still. Those hands are heavy. And, Grish, the listeners of this show cannot get enough of Load Watch 2018. At first, they were turned off violently by it. Now, they're sending us clips from around the world. I got so some from a contender episode I got to look up and get because everybody's trying to shoot their load in boxing. Will you add... Will you add to the to what we're doing here on your next broadcast? Uh, you know, I've never, I've always stayed away from that phrase because I think I, I said it or someone said it working with me years ago, and like they got reamed out. Maybe it was a Vince McMahon type of thing. So I have, I've never said it. And when I heard um, Mario Lopez say it, I was waiting for some producer to come in my ear and, and go crazy, but. Maybe that's the new vernacular. Maybe I need to be a sh- shot as load guy. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Maybe I need to be blue. I mean, maybe I need to become that, but I just haven't done it. And I, I don't, maybe, I don't know. What so, do you and, think? and, and blue balls, guys. No more blue balls. I mean, even Ryan Garcia on our show got into it. And then I take advantage. And then when I shoot my shot, it, I shoot, you know, for the KO. He wasn't talking about boxing though, right? Uh, Grish, he was talking about impregnating half of uh, the state of California, but that's another issue oh altogether. Uh, Grish, one final thing on Load Watch 2018 is um, really? you, <laughs> you do great work with AC Slater, but you also, with Top Rank, do a lot of jobs with Chris Algieri, who we love on this show. We often debate which announcing duo cleans up more after the card is finished, and I'm not talking about at the slot machine, brother. Can you actually answer that for us? What is a more devastating well, duo? Well, let me just let me just say this. First of all, first of all, Mario Lopez is married, and is happily married, because I said something on the first show. There was some girl dancing and going crazy, and they were showing her, and I mentioned something to him. He goes, "Well, I'm married, so I can't really comment on that." So that eliminates him automatically. So by default, it's got to go to Algeria, and Algeria, as you know, is extremely attractive, <laughs> and. He's got that look where he dresses where if it was a normal guy on the street, you'd be like, what the hell is this guy with? But because he's Chris Algieri, because he's a former champion, and because he's good looking, people look at him and go, I'd love to be that guy. Wow. <laughs> but um, now, he, now he gets away where he wears like capri pants and stuff that I would never wear, but the <laughs> girls were like, oh, you look so fashionable. Whereas if Brian Campbell walked in there, they'd be like, hey, you know what? Could you please leave? There's children here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would that is a look that would get Campbell asked to leave a Chuck E. Cheese for sure. <laughs> Campbell, you should do that. You should get one of those new one of those new capri pants suits. Have, oh, you, wow. have you have you have you told the world where some of your fashion has come from? I have not. I have not. In the beginning of my uh, broadcast, the Grish daddy, the Grish daddy donated to the Brian Campbell clause when Brian Campbell was still mopping floors in the basements at ESPN. That is very true. I still have a couple Grish classic suits. I, I don't want to know what what was done in those suits before I got them, but I'm very grateful that I have blessed the airways of many a boxing show wearing 
full grit. The people at the red carpet, they're like, what are you wearing? I'm like, I'm wearing Grish, brother. <laughs> hey, Rach, this guy, and I'm not kidding, this guy, Brian Campbell, would get these suits from either Goodwill or whatever, and one time he came in and, and everyone was like, is that a woman's <laughs> that is a true story. How did, I think how did your Hillary, suit look, a... look like? Uh, a... <laughs> oh, this show's off the rails. What do you got, Rafe? What do you got? Oh, well, well, actually, though, let me bring it back just a little bit. I wanted to ask uh, Todd, like, how he's enjoying uh, watching his old broadcast partner Teddy Atlas on ESPN sort of blossom into this boxing. Sports Center comedy duo with Stephen A. Smith. Did you would you ever have expected those two to have this kind of insane chemistry? No, I think deep down Teddy probably hates Stephen A. <laughs> because Teddy is used to be Teddy is used to be in the A the A side on the broadcast, and he's the one who's flamboyant. He's the one who's over the top, and he's the one that yells and does this. And now he's got a guy that does the exact same thing. So now I feel like they're almost trying to one up each other, and it's great television. I just think Teddy on some of these the judges stuff he's got to back off a little bit. Every judging decision isn't a complete scandal. Like Triple G, obviously, I thought he won. Almost everybody else thought he won, or it was a draw. And just because you know it's one one round difference, it's not a it's not a the six isn't in. So I think that's the only thing that bugs me about it. Other than that, uh, it's almost like Three Stooges without the contact. <laughs> Stop that crap! Stop it! Stop it! Wow, love it! Wow, there'd be some Staten Island hitmen at your door, Grish, for that comment. But hey, it was uh, it no, was... I'm a huge Teddy. I'm, I've been on the dais at the Teddy Atlas fundraiser. I, Teddy's, I'm Teddy's number one fan. I love it. Hey, he's had some complete meltdowns on Friday night fights with me that I still remember to this day. That woman judge who had it even, please, please. That's why I'm on fire. That's why he's on fire. He's a fireman. I mean, he, he does. <laughs> Grish, it's great chatting with you. Congratulations on the zone opportunity. All the good work you're doing. Glory kickboxing, Golden Boy Facebook Watch, top rank undercard streaming. All the times you cross streams in your personal life. You have anything else to plug here? <laughs> I don't think so, man. Uh, my daughter's fifth birthday is coming up next month. Uh, you and the boys should swing by. Yeah, shout out to that. Hey, let's 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 book that. I like that. Uh, they can follow let's you on Twitter that. at Todd Grisham. Is it? I don't know. What what are you at? What are you at on Twitter? My, on, on Instagram, I'm at Todd Grisham. On Twitter, I'm at Grisham MMA, and uh, that's about it, man. Oh, and I actually have a website now that just got launched, ToddGrisham.com, for all. Wow. Of Wow. And just one more thing, uh, the VADA, the Voluntary Anti-Doping Agency, did reach out to me over the weekend and said they're on to you. <laughs> oh, bring it. All right. Great I'll talk. Test, I'll, test positive for, I'll test positive for love and compassion. Oh, wow. I like that. I like that. Oh, wow. All right. Hey, Todd Grisham, everyone. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Go get them in London over the weekend. Thanks, Rach. Thanks, BC. Wow, Rafe. Always a wild time with my main man, Grish. He's in the zone, Rafe. It's time for you to get in the zone with your bros, Arak and Barak. Arak and Barak. At least I learned how to sound, pronounce their names over the weekend. Um, hey, whatever. It's good. I let, spend a bunch of money, make some good fights. Every, it's a, everybody's happy. I'm down with some of those Arak and Barak clips. We saw them a lot over the weekend. Did you see the one where they're in the recording studio doing like doing this like rap tune? Go on to Zone and check that out. I don't know if you. It's very it like very the, New York. It's very New York, Rafe. All right, I'm down with that. I want to know. I want, actually want your feedback next week to see if you think it was lame or you're really into them rapping about boxing and stuff. It was interesting. All right, Saturday, London, England, Rafe. The Zone app kicks off. 
with Anthony Joshua, Alexander Povetkin in front of what they're expecting, what, ninety to 100,000 people at Wembley for Joshua's trio of heavyweight titles. The St. Berto, the St. Joshua Wilder, but this ain't a bad fight, despite Povetkin, as Grish was mentioning, being such a wild underdog. Plus 800 we saw in Vegas over the weekend. It was almost like, ooh, do you take a shot at that or what? Rafe, what are your expectations for AJ versus Meldonium Head? Are we going to see action? I th- I think we are going to see action because Povetkin, when he's fighting well and not testing positive for banned substances – knocks a lot of guys out and he and he and he closes distance with these these sort of you know explosive left hooks where he'll he'll sort of leap forward and 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 try and clip guys especially against the bigger fighters who he's going to be facing in Anthony Joshua uh and I I'm sure he does not expect to be getting the nod on the scorecards fighting in England if it goes the distance uh so I think there will be some action and there's pressure on Joshua to establish himself again as a scary puncher as a dangerous fighter in the heavyweight division because people I, I have heard and I'm interested to see how it plays out in this fight some rumblings of or, or some people wondering if something changed in Joshua after the Klitschko fight if going through hell to win that great fight against Vladimir Klitschko made Joshua a little more tentative, a little more hesitant, more willing to box from the outside, use his size and not really go for the win, go for the win in the same ways he has before. Um, and we saw a little bit of that against Carlos Takam. And then we saw it again against Joseph Parker. Now, now Parker moves very well and, and kind of fought to survive in that one. Mm-hmm. And there was the weird stuff with the referee getting, getting way too involved uh, when they, when they clinched. But he Joshua has not looked as 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 destructive the last two fights and and part partly because he was doing some smart strategic things but we want to see if he can what if what's what's really good there and and hopefully Povetkin will bring it out of him yeah it's interesting cuz like Joshua's been more box heavy late last two fights trying to almost do some mayweather in there almost trying to preserve himself to not be in a war every time the only problem with pavekin here outside of the drug test issues is that for the super heavyweight division he's sort of on the bottom scale he's 6-2 so he's sort of on that borderline I-, I could see joshua just trying to do what he did against parker and just completely boxing making it a boring fight but the one thing about pavekin is even though he's in his late 30s, he comes to fight. He comes to make it a war. He comes to try to knock you out. So I think it'll be fun. I could see Povetkin walking into something, and, and it's just a, a big, glorious victory for AJ. But, man, Rafe, it would be compelling and fun if Povetkin, at the very least, could rock him. Could you know, Luis Pabon's not going to be there for Klitschko to try to make this a uh, full advantage for Vlad and be a gross, boring fight. By the way, you think that there's Luis Pabon nudes on that USB stick? Is there any chance of that, Rafe? I mean, I do know. <laughs> do not ask me. After the fight, what is on this stick? Wow. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I want to see. So, the zone's trying to pitch a different feel. The Ockham Brock stuff is a good example. It's shot differently. There's a loose feel to it. They got some interviews from over the weekend in Vegas. It's kind of cool. I want to see if the broadcast is kind of cool. We know Grish is going to be on it and Sergio Mora, but the main guys are Sugary Leonard, Brian Kelly, Elsie Granderson, Mannix in the studio. Doesn't jump off as much as like we're cool, hip, we're different. I mean, Brian Kenny Sugar Leonard isn't the announced team that I felt could have smashed the glass and been like, oh wow, okay, this is great. Not, not that I want like, remember that HBO rap boxing show they had in the early 2000s with like Ed Lover and stuff? <laughs> not that I know, not, you know, with a DJ there. I don't think we need that. 
But I hope the zone gives us something different is what I'm saying. Hmm. Interesting. I, 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 my strong, I've said this a, a few times before. I think that the, anyway, I know it would be difficult. There would be some, some, uh, some diff, some troubles using this the way referees go, can, don't really travel often from state to state. But the real way that DAZN could stand out, instead of getting Michael Buffer to do all of their stuff, they should have made Steve Willis the main event referee. Yes. That pitched that just, you're, you are going to get Steve Willis as the third man in the ring for every DAZN main event. And I, that, that is how they really could have set themselves apart. Wow. And then you show Smoger with the purple gloves, lubing Willis <laughs> up in the locker room to get him ready. I mean, kissing him. You still got it, baby. You're, you're the best in the business. Oh, I love that. All right. Prediction time. I think AJ stops him because Pavetkin will force himself to get stopped. And I think Wembley's going to be rocking. Uh, I think I'm with you. I'm very tempted. I'm very tempted to 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 pull out to you know to to whoa, take off whoa, my. Gross, bro, I thought we never pull out on the show. We, we never. I, I, look, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the king, all right? I, but I what, I. what I'm saying is, I'm tempted to just take off my suit here and reveal the uh, the uh, the JoJo JoJo. What's that guy's name? No, I can't remember. You talking Yo, about JoJo Dan? Oh yes, JoJo Dan on my chest. What I'm meaning. <laughs> Based on my famous pick of Jojo Dan to upset Kelbrook, I want to pick the upset. I, it's I, I, there's something brewing. This is a more, way more dangerous fight than the public is treating it as for Anthony Joshua. Uh, but I, you know, at in the end of the day, it's irresponsible to do that. I learned I learned my lesson from jo, from Yonah Jojo Dan. He taught me don't do that. You don't you don't don't go out of your way to look stupid when you can do it so well already without even trying. Uh, so I am going to. Say that while I like the upset pick, I really think that Bavekin is live. Uh, I, the smartest pick is still Joshua, like you said, by knockout, because I do, I agree, Bavekin will sort of put the, enough pressure on him to, 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 to force Joshua to win some other way than just by leaning, but using his height and, 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 and slapping the, putting the jab out there. All right, that's fair. Hey, uh, 30 seconds or less here to get out of here. The co-main event, Yvonne Mendy versus my guy, Luke Campbell, rematch, 12 rounds, WBC lightweight eliminator. I'm, I'm in on that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Sergey Kuzman versus David Price, heavyweights. You know, we like them extra sloppy. That's I like, I like the plumbers. Yeah. All right. All right. Hey, great talking to you, Rafe. Hey, great show this week. Shout out to Abel Sanchez, Todd Grisham, and we remind everybody, not only give us that five-star review. Come on, guys. We're, stop teasing our bag. Get in there and give us that review. Your, your team, Rafe, say so. All right. Do what you got to do there, but check out our bonus pod this week, even just to hear Bob Arum just drop bomb, F-bombs, just go off and be Bob. I mean, it's fantastic. The guy's got no filter. It's great. Shout out to everyone who took part in the Wolf of the Weekend. Rafe, thank you for joining us by the book. Can can you give it? We're close to the launch. Can you talk about it? Yeah, as a matter of fact, tomorrow, Tuesday, after you listen to our bonus podcast, if you care to visit a bookstore or head over to any website that sells books, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, uh, IndieWire, well, I forget it. Well, I forget what it's called. Anyway, the book is out tomorrow, y'all. It's called Basketball, A Love Story. It is a really huge comprehensive oral history of the sport it's not doesn't try to cover every piece of history it's more woven together with big dynasties important moments and this 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 fabric of what 
the passion that the the greatest players, uh, coaches, the executives, the media, the passion that the, the readers that that a lot of us who love basketball uh, feel for the sport is sort of connects us all. It's sort of the idea throughout the book. Um, comes out tomorrow, so if you're a basketball fan, you there's a good chance you like it. Um, I wrote it with Jackie McMullen, the Hall of Famer, one of the greatest. Just uh, she's 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 great. Uh, and Dan Clores, who is the the film director who worked on the accompanying ESPN Plus app yes. film that 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 debuts tonight at midnight. Uh, you can watch all 20 hours of the film that our book used the same source material for. So it's basketball love story. It comes out tomorrow. Go for it. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. From the fifth round to the twelfth round, I was in your ass. All right, all right. Enough of that. Hey, Rafe, thanks for joining us. Uh, be be good or be gone. That's a mix or release thing, right? Well, you got any other got catchphrases for us on the? Uh, the only catchphrase coming to mind: We out.